Welcome to Sports Talk on a Wednesday. Greetings to you, one and all. I am Scott Beatty. He is Lauren Tate. And we're together here for this hour, the first hour of Sports Talk. Next hour, Evan Kahn is in. Guests today include this hour, Scott Docterman from The Athletic. He does cover the Iowa Hawkeyes, but also the Big Ten as a whole. And he, as well as anybody, has kept tabs on the implications of conference realignment, particularly as it pertains to the media deals that are pending with uh, television rights and what have you up for grabs and many players trying to get a, a piece of the Big Ten college football pie and maybe basketball as well as it would shake out. So that this is, is like a pot that's percolating and mm-hmm. nothing's happened yet. I mean, yeah. since the big move. Well, we have started what they call talk season. Media days going on today for the Big 12. I believe SEC media days are coming up, and then the Big 10's media days are at the end of the month. Well, if you're Colorado and Arizona, what do you do? Do you want to go back to the Big, you want to go back to the big 12? I think there – well, let me ask you this. Did – UCLA and UCA and USC wake up one day and go, we want to be in the Big Ten because that's what we've always dreamed. No, they did it out of necessity and survival. Yeah. I think that's what will drive Colorado and Arizona. What's best at this point? Well, but which is best in terms of where do they make the most money? I mean, that's what we're talking yeah. about. And that's, that is a great question. Uh, I don't know, but your mark. You're in there with San Francisco schools. You're in there with Washington and Oregon. Isn't that more money than you would get out in the in the in the Big Twelve? I mean, there's no population in the, in the Big Twelve. I mean, Kansas is you got Kansas, Kansas State. You've got those other schools. But once Texas, you know, by the way, Texas, they're going to be there for a couple more years, so they're not gone yet. Yeah. You can still capitalize on the draw of Texas. And Oklahoma. Mike Gundy today, Oklahoma State's head coach, somewhat jokingly asked, why are they here <laughs> in the yeah. Big 12 yeah. media days? They're there because of TV contracts. That's why they're there. That's mm-hmm. the only reason. But Brett Yormark, the new commissioner for the Big 12, at least I don't know if he's officially started. He may start August 1st. Well, but he starts August 1st, but he's officially started. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he, he said today we're open for business when asked about considering schools from the Pac-12. And uh, we're vetting all of them. I think it's fair to say I've received a lot of phone calls, a lot of interest. We're exploring those levels of interest. Nothing is imminent. Um, And he also said, uh, we're engaged in conversations daily with all the key stakeholders. And at the right time, when something makes sense, we'll do it or not. Sometimes the best deals are the ones that you don't make because we don't want to just do a deal for the sake of the deal. That's not my mindset, and obviously whatever we do needs to be additive and not diluted, but we're being proactive. We're not on our heels. We're engaged in meaningful conversation. We'll see where it takes us. This is a guy that's never been in athletics until right now. They still have the state of Texas, but they don't have the two biggest properties Mm -hmm. going forward in the state of Texas, A&M and UT. So it's... What tech tech TCU? Eh, yeah. Well, A and M, Texas A and M is in the SEC already. 
Yeah. As what I'm saying is now, yeah. and now they're losing the Longhorns. Well, yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Uh huh. So you get the leftovers. Yeah. Oh, that's no question. In terms of big brand name, mm-hmm. Kansas carries a big brand in basketball, but that's not as valuable as football. Yeah. And it's interesting. It seems like the Big 12 is the one that holds more cards for the Pac 12, even though the Pac 12 may have um, bigger markets. Between San Francisco and yeah, right now in the markets, Northwest, but their Phoenix. attendance is really shaky. Mm-hmm. So Scott Doctorman will join us uh, on all that uh, coming up. By the way, you say we're going to talk to Phil Steele next Monday, huh? next for for Tuesday show. Yes, Phil Steele well, is his magazine is out and yep, uh, he yep. is a and hot commodity picked, on the mini. And he media picked search. the top forty. Okay. Okay. And if you're not familiar, Phil Steele puts out an annual college football preview magazine. It's the mm-hmm. best. Yeah. But uh, Alabama 1, Ohio State 2. That's the way he starts out. Michigan 5. But the point I'm going to get around to here is 35 is Kentucky. 37 is Minnesota. 39 is Appalachian State. 40 is Fresno State. No Illinois in the top 40. That's not surprising. No, it's not surprising, but I'm just reporting it again. Yeah. Is that nobody believes Illinois is going to go anywhere, and there's nothing to, uh, nothing in the uh, in the 2023 recruiting that indicates they're going to go anywhere in the future. That's the bad part. I mean, no indication. Not that it can't happen, but the indications are all wrong. Five of the top 30 in-state prospects for 2023 are going to Wisconsin. Next highest, Illinois has four of the top 30 from the state, but so does Northwestern. Mm-hmm. Michigan's got two. Iowa's got two. But when you talk top 30, there's a lot of difference between top 10 and, and, and the third 10. Yeah. There's a lot of difference. I mean, you got some star players, in, uh, one, two, three, four, up in, there, in that area. And down below, I mean, that's where Illinois is picking up their numbers. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, well, Caden Fagan just, is the is the the biggest get mm-hmm, from the state for for Illinois. Yeah. But uh, the Nobody. number one prospect right now in the composite, at least for two four seven, is a tackle that's going to Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. So maybe he right. is going to the Big Ten. He's number one. I think he's the only one going to Notre Dame out of the state. The, the last time I looked, it's been a week since I looked. So at that time, there were uh, out of the top seventeen, Illinois had one. But out of the top ten. Uh, there's two guys that are not committed, but mm-hmm. um, there are three going to Michigan. Mm-hmm. Michigan and Wisconsin are hitting big. Yeah. Wisconsin doesn't have any of the By top the ten way, prospects. But Michigan that- is not going well overall. Michigan's doing well in terms of, the, of Illinois. They picked up a couple guys. But listen, their numbers are way down. Michigan's fallen way behind in recruiting for 2023. I don't know what it means. Maybe they're not. Maybe they've got enough people they can't afford to bring in people. I don't know their numbers. But I'm just telling you, Michigan's never had a worse recruiting year than going on right now. Dennis Dodd, for whatever it's worth, every year puts out his hot seat rankings for football coaches whom he considers to be in different categories Mm -hmm. of uh, the hot seat, so to speak. He puts two guys in the... Uh, classification of a rating of five, which means they're at a place where they must win or they're going to be fired. Other than Frost, who is it? Herm Edwards on Arizona State. Okay. <laughs> well, they weren't very good last year, were yeah. they? But, but Frost lost so many close games. I mean, 
can he turn that? I mean, really, They're, they were in game after game and lost. I it, mean, it's right hard to, to believe that you, you, you uh, who did they part ways with really over? Um, Martinez? The, yeah. Yeah. And because they're trying to get better. Yeah. And that's weird. I mean, he's yeah. one of the all-time offensive producers. Well, he was there for four years. He had a fifth year, and he he goes to Kansas State or someplace. I mean, why is he? Why do he do that? And, and they couldn't wait to be done with him. Oh, no, they chased him out. I mean, he, was, he saw the writing on the wall. They were going to replace him. So he puts most um, uh, Big Ten coaches in a very good uh, place. According to Dennis Dodd, for whatever it's worth, at CBS Sports, uh, all the other Big Ten football coaches, as far as I can tell, are either in Category 2, 1, or 0. 0, if you're a 0, you're untouchable. Mm -hmm. Nick Saban, okay? Mm -hmm. He's not going to get fired. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is a safe and secure, and two is all good for now. Uh, that's where he would put Brett Bielma, which makes sense because Bielma's in his second season. Mm-hmm. You, you know, things... He's done everything right so far. I mean, So he, he, far, yeah. exactly. Um, but to your point about are you raised Michigan, he puts Harbaugh right now in a safe and secure spot. Well, he won the Big Ten last year. He beat Ohio State. I mean, and that'll, gave, that'll, that'll didn't go you, to the NFL. That'll hold you for another three or four years if you beat Ohio State, right? But if you, but what's weird is he puts he he, he notes where he had the coaches the year before if they've made a change. And mm-hmm. the year before he had Harbaugh in his four category, which was start improving now. Yeah, and they did. <laughs> so it's it's. A continuation of Michigan, sort of up and down, and Harbaugh uh, loved and derided sometimes did, within did the Michigan same week. Did Michigan lose too much so to be number five in the country? I mean, have they got? Can they, have they got the replacements necessary to do that? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they don't. I just. And by the way, uh, that Phil Steele's got Utah in number six. Utah, the winner of the Pac-12. How many people, if I walk down the street, would say? And I ask him, who won the Pac-12 last year? USC, UCLA, Washington, Stanford. Who won? Utah. Utah may be uh, phoning Kevin Warren saying, hey, Salt Lake City is a nice <laughs> little market here, and we've got quality football. You just said little. <laughs> <laughs> that won't work. And by the way, is anybody, does anybody live in Utah besides the people around Salt Lake City? <laughs> it's pretty sparse out there. <laughs> it's it, sparse in all those I mean, that's the problem. With, Are you saying Weber State is you, not the next Big do Ten? Do you know the third largest city in the state of Nebraska? Uh, is it Kearney? No, Memorial Stadium. Oh, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. <laughs> when, oh. when they show up there. <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. Uh, Scott Docterman will join us next. Um, and later on, Dan Hartlib in the program. If you want to weigh in with... Anything you can uh, contribute on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Might have time to slip in on the phones, 217-356-9397. Midweek edition of Sports Talk. Scott and Lauren here. Tune in tonight for White Sox Baseball here on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. You're tuned to DWS and Sports Talk. We're here every day, 4 to 6 p.m., Monday through Friday, and Alina Pella Saturday Sports Talk, 
9 to 11 with Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Lauren Tate here with me, Scott Beatty, and time for a session with the Doctor Man, Scott Doctorman, writing for The Athletic, covering the Iowa Hawkeyes and the Big Ten as a whole. And, uh, Scott, we, we all thank the Big Ten for giving us something to discuss here in <laughs> the month of July. Yeah, really, uh, it, starting about, what, two weeks ago, we uh, we went from just saying, okay, nothing really is going to happen except trying to get this media rights deal finished and, and written about, and, and then here we are uh, now trying to figure out what exactly is the next step in the existence of college football and how, how do we go forward. So, yeah, it's certainly been uh, – it's certainly picked up the last few weeks, no question. Two weeks from now we'll be at Big Ten Football Media Days, and uh, I want to know if we will be asking questions about media deals or expansion that we will get answers and clarifications on, or will it be continuous speculation? And you have watched as tightly as anybody can about these media deals is there anything on the horizon yeah i think i think they're getting pretty close from way it sounds i mean i've talked to some of the people involved and uh but the uh the change with adding usc ucla i mean it, it wasn't just a surprise out of the dark to the big 10 it's something that they'd had off and on discussions with so i imagine that they had at least uh, known kind of the number that they were looking for out of some of the potential media companies. So I, I think that they are getting close. It wouldn't surprise me if we either know or are close to knowing at Big Ten Media Days, and I think for sure by the start of the season, I would be very surprised if we get to Labor Day and there's no announcement on a media rights deal for 2023 and beyond. Do you understand how the particulars may work if it comes to any more expansion in the Big Ten with this media rights deal? Let's, uh, I'll just use a, neat, a, a nice number, $100 million. Let's say each school is slated to get a $100 million. If these 16 teams uh, uh, stay as the announced teams right now. Now, let's say after the fact, Notre Dame gets added in or, or Washington or Oregon or Stanford, whomever. Now does the... Uh, the pot get divvied up the same amount, uh, the same total get divvied up more ways. Does everybody get more money? How does that work? And a lot of times there are contingencies put into these media deals where if there's an expansion or something to that effect that they do, uh, you know, have sliding scales or uh, if they get this team, they can renegotiate or they, you know, have an automatic clause that kicks in where they have, more. I mean, I don't get to see the contracts. I'd love to, but um, I don't, unfortunately. My, my guess is, based on the numbers, um, it's probably one team or zero after this, and at least for the indefinite future, and that's Notre Dame or nothing. Um, because Washington and Oregon, by all accounts, and, and after looking through a lot of their finances, I mean, they, they are considered you know, tremendous uh, schools, but do they bring more? Does the, can the Big Ten go from, say, 80 or $90 million a school in the next media rights deal to $100 million or $105 million because they're there? And right now the answer is no. So I think what you're going to see is uh, the Big Ten standing pat. Notre Dame does do that. And so I could see it being 17 or 16, but I can't, uh, you know, not for the – in the near future. Now, what may alter that is 
if there's a need, uh, you know, uh, for the, uh, you know, the, the Southern California schools to want to add some school, you know, some teams to compete against in a lot of different ways. But I just don't know that the Big Ten will be interested in that because it's all about expanding revenue at this point. Well, Scott, this is Lauren. Before we get off that last subject, they're going to have to compete against a lot of schools out on the West Coast anyway, aren't they? And I'm talking about their non-revenue sports. They've got sports that the Big Ten doesn't even have. Yeah, that's going to be fascinating to see how UCLA and USC develop out of this because, um, you know, are they going to be able are, – are the other Pac-12 teams that they've competed against in some cases for a century, yeah. be, will they be interested in, in continuing those bonds? I mean, we've seen some tough times, uh, particularly I think Missouri with some of the former Big 12 teams. Uh, there was a lot of hard feelings that took a decade or so before they were thawed. And, and I wonder what will happen here. Will California and Stanford, for instance, continue to compete against uh, UCLA and USC and other sports? Football is different, but you know, even basketball, will they want to do that? Or will they be forced to play some of the – Oh, teams of the Big West, or mm-hmm. you know, in in on those other school uh, sports. So uh, there's a lot of logistical hurdles that those two have to overcome. Uh, you know, in every sport but football. I mean, football is different because you know it'll be four or five times a year that they'll come out east and uh, they'll go home the same night. But even basketball, uh, I've been wondering, are they going to try to install some of the old travel partner situation, which would make perfect sense. Yep. Uh, fly into Indianapolis and play both Purdue and Indiana or Detroit and, and play Michigan and Michigan State, I think they're going to have to do some of that in about every sport. Otherwise, you're going to put them in an intense, difficult situation that I think will go downhill very, very quickly. Part of the thing, Scott, that's holding everything in abeyance here is the fact that this uh, ACC contract with ESPN – that I'm not positive uh, what it's going to cost Notre Dame to get out, but I do know that the, the rest of the schools, the Clemsons, the Florida States, the rest of them, it's going to really be hard to get out of there without heavy, heavy, heavy penalties. Yeah, the other schools won't be able to get out of that, and if you're ESPN, you don't really want them to. At this point, you have rights, Absolutely. Uh, almost exclusive rights to the SEC and ACC, so why would you devalue one product at the expense of the other? So why would you allow Clemson, Florida State, those schools to, to float over to the SEC and then it turn the ACC, which you do have your own network, into a nothingness? I mean, I could see them, uh, ESPN, trying to organize whether it's challenges or individual games and, and have them work together, but I cannot imagine ESPN would be anywhere near interested in opening up that contract. Now, Notre Dame is a fascinating subject simply because they're connected with the ACC through 2036 for everything but football. Mm-hmm. And as we know, foot, football carries the most weight. So how much is that going to cost them? What does that mean for their basketball and other sports? I mean, really, basketball is the only other one that even matters. I mean, the, the other sports are all lumped together that uh, it's, it's pennies on the dollar, if that. Uh, when it comes to broadcasting those games. So I think, uh, you know, that that to me is the most fascinating part for Notre Dame and and for what they want to do going forward in the Big Ten ultimately. Yeah, as far as I can tell, of course, I've heard that the contract with NBC right now is around 15 or slightly over, and the rest of the money they're getting is about about the same or less. And so it sounds like they're getting about $30 and they'd only have to give up half of that eventually. 
And in the meantime, they could they'd be able to get a better contract with NBC. And at the same time, if they leave, they they would you know they're going to make a whole lot more in the Big Ten. Yeah, exactly. And and I wonder what is that tipping point for Notre Dame? I mean, in the past, they've been willing to accept less mm-hmm. uh, from NBC as an independent, um, and even not to join the ACC or, or certainly the Big Ten because of their independence and because their donors are willing to pay for that independence. But mm-hmm. if you're looking at, let's say it's even $40 million a year, which is more like Big 12 money right now, uh, if you're that and and, Notre, uh, and then you look at Indiana and Purdue within your own state is are making, say, double that, let's say it's $80 million a year, or Illinois is making $80 million and everybody else, uh, you've got to really be concerned that you are falling behind and, and – um, you know, and I think ultimately fi- uh, the financials are one part, and I think access to a college football playoff is the other. And it'll be fascinating to see how that's constructed because I think now if you're the Big Ten and you're the SEC, you say we want as many at-larges as we can get. So the automatic qualifiers could be very small in that uh, 12-team field. Scott Docterman writes for The Athletic, joining us here on Sports Talk. What do you make? Uh, I'll use a, a school like an Iowa State, uh, right there in your backyard, almost, but certainly dwarfed by the Hawkeyes in terms of attention within the state of Iowa. And uh, now they're wondering even more what what what's going on for us. What so? What do you make of the schools out there, like the Iowa State or or in the Pac-12, the Washington States of the world, the Oregon States, uh, the so-called little guys? of these power conferences? It is going to be, uh, it's a tough situation that they're all in. Um, Iowa State has experienced it a couple of times when, first when Nebraska and Colorado left, then when Missouri and Texas A&M left. And now certainly it's even more so with uh, Oklahoma and Texas. Um, They found a way to kind of survive. They, They are in a much better shape than they were, say, 10 or 15 years ago because they are getting roughly 60,000 fans per game in Ames. They're doing a remarkable job of elevating that program for being one of the, maybe one of the dregs of, of uh, power five football to, you know, you know, upper middle, I would even call them. So I, I think as long as the revenue is there for them and the next big 12 contract, and I think the same thing goes for the, the PAC 12 leftovers and even the ACC, I think they'll be able to survive and in some cases thrive. I mean, if, if there's access for the Big Ten ch- or Big 12 champion and, and maybe even an at-large team to get into a p- postseason, I, I think Iowa State will walk away just fine, especially if Matt Campbell remains in place. But if not, if the revenue really drops, if they uh, go from, I mean, right now they're at about 40 to 42 million, something like that, from Big 12 coffers. If that falls because Oklahoma and Texas leave and their next media rights deal, if Matt Campbell leaves and then they go back to kind of being what Iowa State was before he got there, then yeah, I think it could be a really scary place just to try to keep up. And same thing goes for everybody else in the Pac-12 um, and uh, and pretty much everybody but Big Ten and, and SEC schools. Back to Iowa State, just briefly. I see where they were dropped by the AAU. That, so that's just the educational. The uh, uh, why did why were they dropped? Not to. I don't know the many specifics. There were a couple of little 
uh, technicalities that they didn't quite fit in. I think it was the same thing for Syracuse and Nebraska and why they were dropped out. I mean, they're still a top-flight research institution in so many different ways, and they're the Grand Grand Institution of the state. So uh, people don't understand this, that Iowa doesn't have a farming school. Iowa State is the farming school for the state, so agriculture is king there. Uh, So I don't have the specifics in front of me as to why they were dropped, but it was just kind of a, a situation where, on a technicality, they just didn't quite fit the well, the parameters. Well, one of the reasons for. Nebraska got dropped, Scott, was because their uh, their ag's research is not weighted the same as other research. You know, for instance, Illinois came in as a land grant uh, institution based on a couple of things: uh, uh, not only ag but uh, engineering. And I suppose mm-hmm. that maybe that was a consideration. I don't know, but I, the reason I bring it up is. Do you think that the Big Ten, uh, forgetting Nebraska, uh, North, uh, forgetting Notre Dame, do you think the Big Ten would ever bring in a school that's not in the AAU? No, I think other than Notre Dame, it would be uh, they would not. I mean, it has to get uh, a criteria, and that criteria is um, almost exclusively AAU. In fact, I would say if Nebraska would have been dropped a year before, mm-hmm. it did. Um, I don't know that Nebraska would be in the Big Ten either. Right. Uh, Notre Dame's different uh, because it is—it just has different parameters on it as a private school and doesn't quite meet the criteria on the upper level. But I do think uh, you know, and Iowa State is not is a non-starter when it comes to the Big Ten, and um, and not not by any fault of their own. It's just uh, you know you've already got the state covered. You're not going to add any kind of markets, and um, you know they they have a sizable, very vocal fan base that's growing by the day, but they just aren't uh, anything that would <laughs> would move the needle for the Big Ten and, and what it wants. One more question for you, Scott Dockerman, on the media front. There is uh, there are little hints dropped at it. Uh, do you suspect the next media deal will involve games that are accessible only on uh, streaming platforms, i.e. Amazon or Apple or, or, or what have you, but no traditional cable linear television? That's a great question. And when we were in Chicago at the Big Ten, or yeah, at the Big Ten meetings uh, a couple of months ago, uh, that was a, a question that, you know, I, I talked to Illinois Athletic Director Josh Whitman, who was kind of was fantastic at answering it. And, and there is that line that they're, they weren't sure yet that they wanted to cross, which is in, in for at least for college sports fans, that do they really want to, to cross that, the Rubicon on that one? Because we remember with BTN, there, was, there were a lot of distribution challenges from in year one uh, for a lot of different cable companies getting it and not getting it. And mm-hmm. in Iowa specifically, it did not appear for an entire year on Mediacom, the main uh, distribution uh, cable company. So uh, they are a little bit fearful of that. That said, uh, there are enough companies now that are doing that. I mean, we do see a lot of ESPN Plus for, uh, you know, the Big 12 and, and ACC and, and a few other leagues. And, and uh, the NFL is now going to do that on Amazon Prime. Uh, MLB is doing that now with Apple on Friday nights. So they're not going to be the first to do it. My guess is that Amazon Prime is probably the, the, the easiest one to make that transition. It wouldn't surprise me at all, especially now with USC and UCLA under the fold to, to move one game probably per week under that, that umbrella. 
Scott, talk a little bit about the Hawkeye football team. Looks to me like they just keep getting a little bit better all the time. Am I wrong? No, uh, you're right. Um, they're recruiting at a level that really it's sustained at a level that they haven't been able to do. Um, even under Kirk, early on in his career, they they hit it pretty hard when they had some really good success, and then they kind of tapered off. But each year, they're in that na- the neighborhood of number 30 nationally which is kind of rare for them in this area so uh their defense should be among the nation's best they should have taken a step back last year and instead they they really tread water and then uh they're you know their big questions are going to be on offense it's it's going to be can a quarterback emerge as at least a plus <laughs> and you know maybe even a, a net zero instead of a, a negative and then also at wide receiver, they lost two receivers to the transfer portal that ended up in Purdue. And I'll tell you this, that um, I, I wouldn't quite put it at the uh, Jimmy Collins-Bruce Pearl situation, but I'll Uh-oh. tell you this, that I, Iowa football and Purdue football, uh, there's a little bit of a rub there right now. So uh, with them taking Charlie Jones and yep. Tyrone Tracy and, and actually on the recruiting front, things have gotten really feisty. So, um, yeah, I, I would say that uh, they're – you know, there, there's some there's some little feistiness going on, I would say, in the West Division. But I think Iowa is going to be a very competitive team. Um, potentially, I would probably put them as the co-favorite with Wisconsin. And would you see the conference divisions to say the same next year as well as this year, at least one more year? Yeah, that's kind of what Gary Bartas said. I asked him last week, and, you know, he's like, well, you know, this, the decision hasn't been made, but I know he – I know Josh Whitman was the same way, that – they really didn't. They don't mind making the change to a non-divisional format, but they want to do it once. They don't mm-hmm. want to do it next year and then do it again. So the anticipation is that they'll keep everything the same this year and in 2023, and wait for UCLA and USC to jump aboard, then go through their you know complete realignment, which will be a, a straight 16-team league, nine games. But beyond that. It's going to be interesting to see who gets paired up with whom as far as uh, how many protected rivals each school will get. I, I, you know, From what I gathered when it was a 14-team league, it was uh, a debate between two and three permanent rivals. Now will it be a debate between um, you know, two or three and, and the cycle changing? So uh, if they go three, it's pretty simple. You get three permanent rivals. You play everybody else uh, two years on, two years off, or every other year. So I, ex- I expect that to probably be the case. It's just a matter of who who plays who on an annual basis, and there will be some fireworks probably. Oh, boy, there, there's no way it could be done to make everybody happy. That's no. impossible. No. You mentioned Gary Barda, uh, the athletic director for Iowa. Scott, is he, is he one of the more vocal athletic directors? It seems that I hear more quotes or read more quotes from him and Gene Smith at Ohio State than other athletic directors. But maybe that's because I click your articles more than anybody. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I have a little more access to Gary than most of the others, so probably there. Uh, I would say that he's fairly knowledgeable of it. He's probably become a little bit more of a leader among Big Ten circles in recent years. You know, he's been the chairman of the College Football Playoff Selection Committee. Uh, But I think that the primary voice, that really stirs the the drink at, at Big Ten circles is Gene Smith. I think he's the most respected voice, and I think right now Ohio State is. I mean, it is the flagship football program. There's no question about that, and and he understands that he needs to be that voice. And without having Jim Delaney there, in some ways, there's kind of a 
a vacuum that needs to be filled with leadership. So I would say him. And, and I would also say, you know, from my discussions with Josh Whitman, I think he's also got a very big voice in Big Ten circles. I think the answer to this will be no, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you see with the powerhouse Ohio State in charge of so many things, do you see uneven distribution of the rights fees ever happening? I do not right now. And it's a, that is a great question, Lauren, because that's been kind of the downfall in a lot of other conferences. It has. The Big, the big Ten has been you know, pretty kumbaya over the years on this topic where it's all for one and one for all. And that even includes, uh, you know, syndication of, of home gate revenues, which really benefit teams like Northwestern, Illinois, Indiana, where every team, every team pays in a five dollar, a hundred million or a million dollars per home gate as a ceiling and then 300,000 for the floor. And it goes through this pot and then they distribute it out equally. So, for you know, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Iowa, Wisconsin—they lose every year about a million dollars on it, and, wow. and other teams gain about a million to two million. So, uh, you know, they've they've all been in that case. I think if you're making that kind of money, I don't see anything changing. But uh, when you have these, this many mouths to feed, and and this is why I think that they're being prudent when it comes to expansion beyond USC and UCLA is. If you start adding four more teams from the Pac-12, and and then you start to go, okay, we've got teams that, like an Ohio State, a USC, a Michigan, that gen- would generate this on their own versus Arizona State or or you know Iowa and Illinois, uh, that you know there could be some separation there. And and right now, I think that they feel pretty confident in keeping everything status quo. It came up a number of years ago, I'm told, by someone who was in the meeting. And uh, Iowa and Michigan both uh, brought it up, and it was declined, as well as Indiana basketball. There was an Mm -hmm. effort on their part, and both were shot down and without any uh, repercussions. It just hasn't come up lately, as far as I can tell. Yeah, the most fascinating part of that is, along with the football debate, was I think it was, this is going way back, 20-plus years ago, Penn State was kind of mad at losing all the football revenue so and then you know as we know they don't have much of a <laughs> of a audience during basketball season so they said well we're going to do the same thing in basketball with but at that point i remember the the, the ceiling was 67,000 and the floor was 25,000 so even though they got an extra what probably you know 100,000 per year which isn't nothing to sneeze at but still uh, they did it more in a petty fashion <laughs> because of, of the syndication of the football revenues. Well, Scott, uh, this has been a nice little five-minute interview, and, uh, <laughs> and I, 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 no, I, I say that because you're, you've been generous with your time. I uh, really appreciate it, and uh, you're one of the follows uh, I've got for uh, when when stuff breaks and what's the latest and what could happen. Uh, we, we read your stuff, as well as uh, if you want to be up on uh, the Hawkeyes. So we really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me on, and, and look forward to, to talking to you guys in Indianapolis in two weeks. Okay, yes. see you over there. See, safe travels. That's Scott Docterman, D-O-C-H-T-E-R-M-A-N. And he's, um, you know, I, I first knew him and thought of him as the Hawkeye guy. But he's he is... To my mind, he's he's in my mind as a Nicole Auerbach, as an Adam Rittenberg, as a, uh, a Matt Fortuna, Heather Dinich. I mean, just just on top of it in what's going on in the conference and even nationally. Oh, he writes a ton of stuff every every yeah. week. He's you know he's 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 really good. Yep. 
So give him a follow. Okay, we'll come back. More sports talk after this. Well, talking to Scott Docterman, Mr. Tate got us as close as we could to learning something new <laughs> about expansion. But what I heard him say, the biggest takeaway I heard at this point was Big Ten's not going to expand unless it's Notre Dame. Uh, that was his. I think uh, he would have done it by now. Yeah, I, mean, I think you, that's you, about as wanted, firm they've as. They've had plenty of time to investigate Washington. They've had plenty of time to investigate Stanford, and they've you know in Oregon they they know what they, those schools bring, and they're dealing with uh, Fox, which is running those numbers for them because Fox is their, you know they're they're working hand in hand with Fox on all this stuff, and, and Fox Sports that is. And I, I think they found if they, I think they find out that if they took them, that they would actually decrease their, their uh, rights fee. I, I could see. I, again, I'm not at the table. I don't know all these numbers, but if you took, let's say, four more schools, maybe that moves the needle in terms of total revenue. For example, Washington, Oregon, Stanford, Cal, but. Maybe the Big Ten doesn't want to be a 20-team conference right now. As, as much as uh, 16 teams is, that's a huge jump. And uh, maybe th- maybe that is the bottom line. Hey, we're good with where we are. Good with where they are. Well, let's wait and see what Notre Dame's going to do. And let's mm-hmm. see what they, what they – they probably aren't going to find out what Notre Dame is going to do until Notre Dame knows, whether we know or not, what the playoff situation is going to be. Yep. How many schools are going to be in and how many independents – which they are in football. But I'm going to tell you, I, I, again, I looked at that Notre Dame schedule. If you study it, they play who they want to. Mm-hmm. And that's the big strength of that. I mean, they want to play Army. They want to play Navy. They want to, you know, they want to play USC. They, they, and they, they want to play a Big Ten school. And, they, and they'll, they'll be opening the season against Ohio State. What a big game that is. But no more West Coast schools added the the longer that happens, or the more likely that is to me, the more likely it is the model of non-revenue sports and conferences is going to change. I don't know that. I'm just guessing that it just makes logical sense that you, you got to tell me where 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 Colorado can make the most money, where Arizona can make the most money, UCLA, I mean Utah. Where can they make the most money in the Pac-12 or the Big 12? I think they got to be together. Oh, you think they're going to join? I, I don't know if they would, but I think they have to pool their resources. Well, which one will okay? Okay, if you're it in the seems Big 12, to me the Big Twelve. If you're driver. in the Big Twelve and you're making forty-two, and you're in the, and that's what Scott Docterman said they're making because he knows because of Iowa State they're making forty-two on rights fees. I don't think the Pac-12 is even close to that, particularly without USC and UCLA. They're right. not close to that. Yeah, and they've got the population, but they don't have the backing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but maybe maybe there's a deal where they all come together and they're up to 50 or something like that or 55, something they're better. Gonna, they're not going to go up. Yeah. The more you bring, if you bring in schools making less, you're going to make less. Yeah. There's no safety in numbers is what you're saying. <laughs> well, I don't think so. I mean, I I, I don't know what the Big, Big 12 is going to do, but they're going to look pretty hard at maybe just a few of those schools because of the location. Back in a moment, we'll hear about this business. Mr. Tate, despite the pitching injuries and all the other things going on with the Cardinals, they're 
catching issues. They're red hot, three in a row. I tell you. Seven to six. The more seven, you get concerned, the, <laughs> mo- the better I feel about the Cardinals and their chances. Well, they are getting a little better pitching. They just uh, all of a sudden went into a terrific hitting slump. And then uh, the irony of, uh, of some of the recent wins is the hitting at the bottom of the order where it's a minor league order there the last four or five positions. It's and Albert Pujols. Pujols is hitting. WDWS Champaign-Urbana.